Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a good Thursday morning to you and yours, and welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. You can find us at YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We ask that you please subscribe to the program. If you prefer to join us in podcast form, please do. Search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman wherever you get your podcast and you're dialed in. Gentlemen, good morning. We've got a full house today. Casey McAllister with his NKU lid on. Paul Fritzner was at the game last night. And the dunce is back from a trip to Chicago. Brandon Seho in the house today. Gentlemen, how's everybody doing? Tom, or uh, well, you are a front runner, Casey. Casey, bring this up. Show you the people the show the people the yeah. front runner. I am. I need to get some mead. Me and <laughs> me and Leaf, we're going out tonight. Cause baby, Norse up. They won. Let's go. And for Way those go, of you that don't know what Casey's talking about, uh, this was uh, a shocker, and we're going to get to it a little bit later on. In fact, we have the NKU head coach coming on the program today. Thanks to Brandon Sayo. That would be Darren Horn. That's a big-time win for the Norse and a big-time L for your Bearcats. Big win for them. UC's offense, uh, I don't know what that was. They scored 11 points in the second half. I had a fifth-grade girls basketball team that won the city championship. I don't think there was one time all year long. These are 10-year-old little girls. I don't think there was one time all year long we had 11 points and a half. Yeah, it wasn't great. But, you know, Drew McDonald, NKU great, tweeted me back yesterday and said, how about maybe just the best defensive performance in the second half? Fair enough. It was pretty good. UC's offense, they got to figure some stuff out. It was all oh, you were there. It was electric. It was an electric environment. It was the biggest crowd in NKU's history. Eighty-five oh three was the crowd. It was a great environment, and you could tell in the second half. I, I did a podcast afterward, breaking it down, and with about I would say ten minutes left. I think it was still a five-point game. Yep. Might have been a seven-point game with yep. about ten minutes left. And I looked at the guys that I was with, and I said, "This is over." Like there, it there was no doubt in my mind with about ten minutes left in the game. UC could not score. And they weren't doing anything that showed – it wasn't like they were getting a ton of open shots. And, you know, Rick Broering, who I had on the rebound rundown this morning, who's NKU's radio analyst, he made the point after the show – or after the game last night, I'm not sure if you tip the ball up tip time, 10 times, NKU would win seven or eight of them. I mean, they thoroughly dominated that. They were more physical. They were bigger. They out-rebounded. They out-defended. They outscored. Darren Horn ran – Great sets all night long, especially in the second half. Baseline out of bounds plays that were just hey, that's wide a mark, open shots. Among other things, that's a mark of a really good coach. Out of a timeout. Well, I mean, yeah, and, 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 and inbounds plays underneath the basket. I don't think I've ever seen anybody in my life that was better at that than Thad Mata. Yeah, he's that guy ran some incredible sets. Yeah, Chris Mack was really good at that too. Yep. Yeah, a couple of trademark guys in, in that style. But yeah, it was... It was a thorough, thorough game from NKU. That wasn't a fluke at the buzzer. And that was – it's an NKU team that is picked at the top of the Horizon League. Yep. I mean, it's not a joke of a, of a team. This is not like, to me, a, a game that – I wasn't shocked. I think 85% of the big money from Vegas was all the Sharps were on NKU. 
I think 70% of the bets were on UC, but 85% of the money was on NKU. Wow. Which tells you all, I mean. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. so from that perspective, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't shocked. I was shocked that it was a 13-point game, though. All right, we're going to talk about it a little bit later on. Again, we have Darren Horn, the head coach of the Norse, and we've established for sure that Casey is the ultimate front runner. We have not seen one shred of clothing, hats, shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, nothing until he walks in today with a Norse pullover and a Norse fishing lid. Those are honestly the only two items that I had in my house. I don't know where my basketball stuff went, but uh, good for the Norse. I also, but that's right. You never, ever, ever. Paul wears Xavier and TCU. And Paul TCU. sports a TCU yeah. attire. Big league. I've just ne I've never seen any NK and you went there. But well, I've, never seen, season, I've never seen the spirit wear. That's kind of that's is the that a fake. You're that spot a fake on, band? Brandon. The you're spot on. Started. The season just started. You can wear them anytime. I'll wear UC in the middle of the summer. He didn't wear NKU stuff when they got beat this year. They're they're now three and one, two well, and one, whatever they are. Well, the season just started. I can. I'm not like excuses, you know. excuses, excuses. No doubt. No doubt. Oh, Although I can't way. talk after last night. I mean. No, but at least you're there with your team through thick and thin. Okay. I well, mean, I, I just happen to, you know, root for the Bobcats, and all they do is win. <laughs> right. They oh, are on fire blade. You know By what? The way, oh, go ahead. My fighting leprechauns. Oh. They also won last night. They did. I am just, I'm on a roll in my fandom. Mike Bray. One of my best friends from college was at that game. Not, not a ton of people were at, at uh, Southern Indiana at that, at that one last night. Well, in a lot of colleges, the kids get out. I know our daughter's flying back into town for Thanksgiving break later tonight. I'm picking her up around midnight. So I think a lot of kids, when you see some of these football games now, basketball yeah. games over the weekend, I think you're going to see a lot of that. Um, one other thing, just as a broadcaster, you'd appreciate this. So I sat initially last night. I got my tickets and just sat up in the nosebleeds before we moved down for the second half. And I noticed something was going on. Because NKU's Wi-Fi, I didn't know this oh, at the time. Oh, yeah. Did you hear about this, So time? NKU's Wi-Fi went out across the whole campus. Campus-wide Wi-Fi went out. So there were no stats on the video board, nothing. And immediately as a broadcaster, I think to look down to the scorer's table, and I see Jim Kelch and Rick Broering, they don't have their headsets on. I see Dan Hoare down at the other end. He doesn't. He's broadcasting into his phone onto the radio. Yep. And then I see Rick and Jim, they're passing their phone back and forth too. And the ESPN stream was down because I guess – Everybody had overcrowded the Wi-Fi and everything. But just as a broadcaster, seeing the, everybody yep. pass their phones back and forth. Yep, been there. Such a relatable experience. No doubt. Been there. <laughs> been there. All right. Uh, on the front burner, at least this morning, Bengals and the Steelers, you know they're going to tee it up Sunday at 425 in the Steel City. Kenny Pickett will start at quarterback this time for the men of aluminum. Now, Pickett is 2-3 and three since taking over as a starter. He's also been concussed in a start. It should be noted. His record as a starter is 2-3, and three, but Trubisky brought him back to win one of those games. Pickett gets credit for winning as a starter. He was not in the game. So, technically, his record is 1-3 as a starter. But you go back to the 2000 season. Bengals fans don't like to hear this. This has been all Steelers, including a win this year, 35-12 and 12 
against the Bengals since the 2000-year. Long-time NFL assistant, including with the Bengals, Kyle Kasky, will join us at 1045 to talk about this game. Now, up in Cleveland, Deshaun Watson practiced with the Browns for the first time since August yesterday. Now, since early October, he's been allowed to come into their facility and work out, can sit in on team meetings, but not practice. He is scheduled back in two more weeks. That will be just in time for the Bengals and Browns. The Saints are sticking with Andy Dalton as their starter for at least another week. The same for Taylor Heineke. We talked about this in D.C. The Commanders are 3-1 and one since he took over for the injured Carson Wentz. And apparently, they're saying Wentz is not ready to go yet. So it will be Heineke this weekend. Thursday night football tonight. You know I'm high on Tennessee. Titans go to Green Bay. And the Titans are trying to field a team for this game. Now, bear in mind, they've already lost their starting left tackle for the year, their best pass rusher for the year, another starting offensive lineman for the year. Their quarterback has played hurt or missed nearly half the season. And now five starters are out for sure tonight, two others unlikely to play. Yet Tennessee, despite all of that, Sits atop the very weak AFC South. They're six and three. Green Bay is four and six, coming off a season-saving perhaps win last Sunday at Lambeau over Dallas. College football: Miami at Northern Illinois last night. The Red Hawks win it 29-23. They got to win their last game of the year to be bowl eligible. We wish them well. Baseball news: The awards week continues. Miami's Pitcher Sandy Alcantara named the National League Cy Young Award winner. In fact, he got all 30 first-place votes, and why not? He threw more innings in a season than any major league pitcher going back to 2016. His six complete games were more than any team in Major League Baseball. He's the first Marlin to ever win the award. Now, over in the American League, it was a slam dunk. Justin Verlander wins his third Cy Young Award. He led the league in wins at 18, a 1.75 ERA. Interesting fact here. With Verlander, like Alcantara, winning unanimously, it's the first time that has happened in the same season going all the way back to 1968 when Bob Gibson and Denny McLean did the same thing. College Hoops, we touched on it briefly. You see at U, uh, NKU last night, the Norse hold the Bearcats to 11 points in the second half. You see it scored 40 in the first half. The Norse won at 64-51. NKU now 2-1. and one. You see 3-1. and one. And again, Darren Horn, head coach at NKU, kind enough to join us today at 11 o'clock. Ohio State mashes Eastern Illinois. Buckeyes go to 3-0, 65-43 win. Big upset. In top 20 action last night, number 11, Texas, just drills number two, Gonzaga. 92-74, Kentucky will play Gonzaga this weekend. Gonzaga. Yeah, they didn't they look never win the big one they, when it matters. No, they don't, and they didn't look good last night. They didn't look great against Michigan State last week on the aircraft carrier. 
Yeah, in that game, I don't know if you saw any of that. I did not. Such a cool scene. Oh, yeah, I've seen those before. Such a cool scene. But they didn't look great against Michigan State, and you had a feeling that this was not that invincible Gonzaga team that we've seen before. This this isn't the 2020 Gonzaga team. Drew Timmy, just something about him. I don't know what, what it is this year, but that Texas game last night, by the time I got home from NKU, I caught the second half of it. The second half of that Texas game had to have been one of the most exciting second halves of basketball. It was the most complete performance from a top five team Texas is going to be in the top five after they have to be they looked amazing what Chris Beard has done at Texas to rejuvenate that's that a great coach to rejuvenate that fan base to get everybody excited the arena they just opened a new arena I don't know if you saw any of the pictures but they have these video boards that go around the top of the arena that double as sound boards that keep the sound trap down in the arena the environment was great, and uh, credit to Texas. I mean, they were throwing alley-oops all over the place. Gonzaga was never in it in the second half. Well, that guy is a big-time coach. I think it was Texas Tech he took to the championship game. Probably should have won that national yep, championship, a couple too. years ago. Yeah, um, yeah he's a big-time coach. They made the right hire there. There's no doubt about it. They've gone through a laundry list. Again. Rick Barnes did a great job down there for a long time, but never, never got him. Over the hump, and then who? Who's the other cat they brought in here? I'm in there. I'm trying to remember. Shaka Smart. Yeah, he, he couldn't get. And it he done. went to Marquette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But credit to Texas Tech too. They got Mark Adams, and he just slid right in there. And Texas Tech's three now. So, well, boys, um, the Bengalis this weekend. Um, you know, I was thinking about this last night and 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 Zach Taylor I went back and read some of the articles after week one when he was asked the question about the whole Steeler thing and I know that you know they obviously played very well against Pittsburgh last year Joe Mixon ran the ball very well against Pittsburgh last year he virtually did not run it effectively at all week one when the Bengals turned the ball over five times four picks by Burrow one fumble by Burrow in a game they still should have won 23 to 20 in overtime. But there's just something about Pittsburgh. I mean, even the most hardcore Bengals fan has to admit there is something about playing the Steelers. Now, a big part of that for a long time was Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, first ballot, Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. When you go in and you start digging around in the numbers during his career, I mean, forget the passing yards, the touchdowns. We know all about that. But it's almost reminiscent of Tom Brady inside the AFC East all the years he was with New England. The way Roethlisberger dominated for 15 years inside the AFC North. But now he's gone. And now it's the Kenny Pickett era. Now, there are a lot of people that felt like Pickett was not a legitimate first-round pick as a quarterback. I didn't watch him enough at Pitt to know. I don't know. But I do know that Mike Tomlin made that move. He said, all right, Trubisky's here for the interim. He's not our long-term plan. Season has not started well. We're going with Kenny Pickett. So this will be his first time ever starting against the Cincinnati Bengals. There are a lot of things to like about Pickett. I mean, he's playing for a bad team. He's been beat up already. We mentioned, in essence, he's credited for being two and three as a starter, but really one and three. But you know one thing they've done, guys? 
they've stayed in games. They haven't been blown out by people. I mean, there were a couple of games where they were 7, 10, 12, I think is high against Buffalo, if I remember right, is a 13, 14-point underdog. And they found a way to hang in there. Feisty. And they're undefeated 2-0 and with T.J. Watt. Uh, I don't know if that's more of a testament to their defense, keeping them in games, or Kenny Pickett. Um, I'm going to have to go with the the defense being the reason why they're in these games. Um, I don't know if you've seen the numbers for Kenny Pickett, but they're not great. I know they're not great. I know they're not great, but they're at home, right? And I said it yesterday, and Paul, you uh, raised your eyebrows in shock when I said it, that I think the Bengals, if they don't win on Sunday, I think they're done. I, I really don't disagree with you, honestly. I, I, that does not you gotta, you got to have a, at least a 500 record in your division not just because of what we could do if we could win our division, which I, I doubt. We're probably going to go for a wild card. But those are AFC opponents, and we're already below 500 on the AFC column. Yep. So that wild card spot will just keep getting harder and harder to achieve if we don't get a better record in the AFC. And that requires us beating our divisional opponents. So... You go two and four instead of two and or three and three in the AFC, and it's not a good luck for our wild card chances. When you sit here and you look at seven teams make the playoffs from each conference. Right now the Bengals sit in the nine hole. And because of what you just talked about, um, whether it's win percentage in conference games, um, tie breaks on strength of victory. You know, that, that starts to come down the column a little bit. But right now, New England and the Chargers both sit in front of the Bengals for the final wild card spot in the AFC. Now, I know we've only played nine games here in the season. Uh, some teams have played 10. Miami, 7-3, and three, number two seed behind Kansas City. Tennessee, a division leader at three. Baltimore, division leader at four. The Bengals are only one behind, technically one behind Baltimore. They're really, I would argue for sure, well, you can't argue. They're for sure two behind Baltimore right now because of a tie break. And three behind Baltimore if you start going inside the division record. So we have talked about the Bengals and, and, and what they're going to do. I, guys, I got to tell you, and I said it the other day as well, this is a game that comes down to two things in my mind. One, can the Bengals run the ball? Are they going to try and run the ball? Or are we flipping back to that fiasco against Cleveland where they threw it 17 out of 21 times to start the game? And then number two, can they protect Joe Burrow? Any disagreement with that? No. It's spot on. I really don't have much more to add. All right, well, how would you what, – what, 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 do you believe – and we're going to ask Kyle Kasky this in a little while. He knows all about offense and offensive football. Do you believe that this offensive staff, not only Zach Taylor, although he, you know, ultimately, you know, the buck stops here, as the saying goes, uh, and Callahan, the offensive coordinator, 
Do you think they have come to the realization for our offense to be what we want it to be, with or without Jamar Chase, and they'll be without Jamar Chase again this weekend, do you suspect we're going to see a Bengals offense that is committed to running the football? I would love to say yes, but I have very little faith in Zach Taylor. Um, because what he does is he has one good game and then he turns around and has a really bad game. So um, last year, though, I mean, he had a stretch there where he was committed to running the ball. It was around the same time period. And I know we were done talking about last year, but it almost seems like it's a repeat of last year, honestly. We're doing the exact same thing um, going into it with a very strong run game performance from our running back um and last year we just ran the ball down pittsburgh's throat um and then that was able to open up the stuff over the top um not only that i mean like tj was just coming back from injury that game too so i don't know i i uh i really hope that they come out with a strong running game because i think that's what's gonna give us the edge over them because you've got to slow down the pass rush. You can't afford to go out there 17 times in a row and try to throw the football. You've got to have at least a 50-50 initially to start the game. The first 20 plays should be 10 pass, 10 running, or, you know, in that 50 to 40, 60 range of um, play calling. So I, I want to say yes, that they'll run the football, but with Zach Taylor at the helm, you just don't know. It's not obvious with him. Paul? I would like to think that the same point that I have made the last couple of weeks about how the Bengals are showing more maturity in their play calling with less of the gimmicky stuff, that that all comes to a head on Sunday and that they can be a, a fluid offensive team that's not playing in prime time in, Phil, era in Pittsburgh to go in there and get the job done efficiently. That's just the most important thing. Keep Joe Burrow protected, but run the ball and establish that run to open up the, the passing game. they got to be able to do that effectively or else it, it's going to be another long afternoon. Uh, but I, I think they win, Tom. I, I think they get this done. I know I know the struggles they've had, but they got to get this done. And, and to the Bengals' credit, look back to last season. When their backs have been against the wall – They've been able to win games. They have. And and I know early in the season it that didn't happen, but injuries, you know, the whole Clark Harris thing, all that, it, it, weird things happened that they didn't. But when the Bengals have really needed to win games last year, this year, now that they're going to have to prove it, I, I think they get it done. I do. Just they have the – what you always want to do, in my mind, and I talk about this in basketball a lot, you want to have the best player on the court. You want to have the best player on the field. And the Bengals have that in Joe Burrow. He's better to the Bengals than than T.J. Watt is. You know, we talk about um, the pass rush and teams that the Bengals have faced this year that have a good pass rush. Week one, they did, right? They gave up six sacks. Week two, they gave up seven sacks. They looked like they had it together against some bad teams. Uh, they did not protect Burrow well in the Cleveland game. And I did not realize, I had no idea the kind of year, you know, we talk about Watt and Cameron Hayward. 
Alex Highsmith has eight and a half sacks for the Pittsburgh Steelers so far this year. Eight and a half. So you're talking about two guys on the edge now and Highsmith and Wattback. Hayward, who I think, next to Aaron Donald, Hayward for the last five, seven years has been the second best defensive tackle in the NFL. That guy is a stud. They move him all over the place. That guy's a stud. And I don't say it because he's an Ohio State guy. He is just a great player and a great leader. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at three guys. And don't forget Larry Ogunjobi. That's four. Well, we're about to find out this coming Sunday. Now, this game tonight, you wanted to talk about this game, Casey. Yeah. The Tennessee Titans who, as I mentioned, uh, have injuries all over the place. And, you know, I I mean, I'm high on the Titans. Bengals play them next week down in Tennessee. I'm a big Titans guy. Um, I like the way they play. I like their style. I love their toughness. No excuses about injuries ever, ever. Before the season even started, they lose their best pass rusher. Since the season started, they're starting left tackle out for the year. Another offensive lineman out for the year. I mentioned a short while ago on the injury list yesterday, they've already ruled five starters out for sure, in addition to the guys I'm talking about. Another two that are questionable. So even if they play, you wonder about their effectiveness. And Green Bay still trying to keep its postseason hopes alive. This is a rare good Thursday night game tonight. A lot of intrigue tonight. Yes. Yes. Uh, this, this one is going to, I hope, redeem the Thursday night football schedule that's just been miserable this year. I hope the pack is back. I, I believe they're back. If they do the exact game plan that they did against Dallas, they will be able to win this football game. I also want to say this is going to be a great example as to why I think Ryan Tannehill is not a very good quarterback. There's a reason why they run Derrick Henry. He's one of the best running backs in all football, but there's a reason why he runs 35 times a game. It's because he can't win them a football game. Ryan Tannehill can't win them a football game. So I think the Packers defense, it's not that bad. It's pretty good. Packers are starting to figure out that they need to be a little bit more balanced, have some play action, run the football. That's a good recipe for uh, them to be clean, to not make very many mistakes, to allow Aaron Rodgers to be the quarterback we all know he can be when it matters most, and to also prove a point that Ryan Tannehill is just not that very – he's just not good. He's not going to win you a – game that matters okay well well, let's just go back since Tannehill since you say that Mm -hmm. has taken over as a starter in Tennessee yeah first round pick originally by Miami okay yep um you know right at 500 little over 500 um in his one two three four five years as a starter then he got hurt in 2017 came back 500 again in 18 then he goes to Tennessee since getting to Tennessee Started 10 games, 7-3, 70% completion percentage, 22 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. 
They go to the playoffs. He's a comeback player of the year in the NFL. The next year starts every game. They go 11-5. and 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Yep. Last year, 12-5 and five record. 12-5 and five on the heels of 11-5. and five On the heels of 7-3. and three. 21 touchdowns, those throw 14 interceptions. Now, this year he's only started seven games, but he's 5-2. and two. Doesn't throw it a lot, only eight touchdowns, as you mentioned, <laughs> but only three picks. So, you say he's not very good. He's been a comeback player of the year. He's like 20 games over 500 since taking over in Tennessee as a starter. Yep. And he's been to two Pro Bowls. Now, you're telling me he's not very good? No, he's not very good. Paul, you have a he, shit-eating grin on your face. He, what are you laughing about over there? I just, this dynamic he, just cracks me up. He quite, honestly, he might actually stink. He's on borderline stink for me oh my on my quarterback god. tier list. Oh, my God. I might have to make one of those. Oh, my God. But Ryan Tannehill. At the end listen, of the day, what is on. it about? The stat column or winning games? He takes the Titans he, to the playoffs every year. He is a Andy Dalton. No, he's not. Yes, he is. You know why? Because he's already won triple the amount of playoff games that Andy Dalton's won. Okay, but still, he needs a he's team. He's not Andy Dalton. He needs a full team. He needed A.J. Brown and a Corey Davis to even have a 33-touchdown season. Those two ball out oh every my single God. week. AJ That's just like had a saying guns week. kill people. People kill people. You're oh, telling me that a wide receiver is it the takes. reason why a quarterback throws 33 touchdowns in a year? The wide receivers? Just so he also has one of the best running backs of all He football. does. There's no doubt. No so doubt all, about that. All teams are but that's stacking their the style box. of play. That's their style of if play. He had, if the Titans Some had teams Joe sling it around 35, 40 times a game. You know when you play the Tennessee Titans, they're going to turn around and hand it off 30 times to one of the top two running backs in the league, maybe the best, and they're going to smash you in the mouth and you keep on swinging. And on defense, they're going to do the same thing. That is their their that word that's used frequently, that is their identity. What is the Bengals' identity? They got stars all over the field. What's their identity? Are they a run team? Are they a pass team? Are they a smash-you-in-the-mouth team? To answer that question, and I can't answer that question, we don't know. Because against the really crummy teams, they look like one of the best offenses in the NFL. Our buddy 6412 Mars is lighting us up here today. He's saying, you guys make valid points, but they're all negative. We're not being negative. We're not being negative. We're just bringing up valid, as you say, points. And I think... Sir Boy Wonder says, oh my God, Ryan Tannehill is not good. <laughs> Yeah, he's not good. And he makes a point, which I would agree with this. He says that Ryan Tannehill is not going to win a Super Bowl. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. 
And I think there are guys who on paper, a lot of people think can win a Super Bowl. Maybe they will. I'm not high on the Kirk Cousins of the world. I'm not high on the Dak Prescotts of the world. But one thing Tannehill does better than Cousins and Prescott is he wins. He wins games as a starting quarterback and infrequently, though he did in the playoffs last year against the Bengals, infrequently does he lose you games. All right, but... You can't say that on. means the guy stinks. No, hang on, hang on. He is a system guy that needs a bunch of good talent around him to succeed. That sounds exactly like Andy Dalton. You place Ryan Tannehill on any other team in football right now, and he flops. Well, Same and, and, and lure up says you put him on other teams. That's like saying, okay, you could plug that in for a lot of guys, but he plays for a team that this is what they ask him to do. That is there again, their identity. Okay, so I don't want to hear about what he would look like with other teams. We're talking about Ryan Tannehill and the team that he plays for now. AJ says, if I were in the studio, I'd stick a nail in that dollar store looking Ohio State ball that the Buckeye Slappy has in front of him. <laughs> Big Art makes a good point here, though, Case. Yeah, what? Big Art says, if Trent Dilfer can win a Super Bowl, why can't Ryan Tannehill? Because he proved it against the Bengals. He throws three interceptions, terrible interceptions, I might That's add. one game. Oh, he's bad when it matters most. You put – here, I, I, the argument of placing a quarterback on different teams I think is actually not a bad argument because that proves that that quarterback doesn't have very many limitations – and that he can ball out. You put Pat Mahomes on any team, and he's going to ball out. That's Pat Mahomes. I'm not talking he's about gonna, the elite of the elite here. I'm not Joe saying Burrow. Tannehill's an elite guy. I'm not putting him in a category with Burrow and Mahomes and Josh Allen. I'm not doing that. I'm saying this guy is a winning quarterback. That's what he is. I don't think he's much more than that, though. Okay. He's, but he's solid. <laughs> And that's a debate we're having here. Casey says that Ryan Tannehill stinks. That is ridiculous. I, I don't. Want, I don't want to enter the fray here. Oh, I don't want to enter. The, I don't want to enter the fray. Oh come here. on! You are the Paul. swaying vote here. Oh, I just. You're the swing vote. I mean, I, does he stink or does he not stink? I don't think he's very good. But <laughs> I. But 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 he does win games, and at some point, at some point. At the end of the day, when you want your quarterbacks to win games or lose your games, he wins games, and you can't deny that. He's good, not great. He's serviceable. He's good. He's serviceable. Guys, <laughs> there are guys in the NFL that you guys think are good. Yeah. That Their touchdown-to-interception ratio is like one-and-a-half or two-to-one. Tannehill, since taking over in Tennessee, and a lot of people are screaming, well, what about Miami? Miami was terrible when he was there. They were awful. They went through a laundry list of coaches. He's got a real head coach now. He took them to the playoffs once. Well, I'm just saying, they, they, they weren't any good. Now he's, in, now he's in an environment 
where they ask him to do what they ask him to do, and all they do is win. And his touchdown-to-interception ratio since taking over in Tennessee last year was a little shaky. But the two years prior to that, I mean, come on. Come on. He's good. I'm not saying he's great. He's good. I don't think Dak Prescott's great. Do you? No. No. You think Kirk Cousins is great? If he plays at 1 p.m. Oh, my God. You like that? All right. We're going to take a break. (laughs) We're going to take a break. I mean, mean, come on. It says our stream keeps buffering. Is that true? Yeah. It just started buffering. So let's take a break. All right. Let's take a break. We're back with more in a moment. All right. We're back on Off the Bench presented by uh, United Dairy Farmers. By the way, uh, you're right about our streaming having some hiccups here. So we ask you to refresh a page. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Just refresh the page. Okay. Should be good now. Just refresh it. Um, getting lots of nice feedback. That was, uh, that was fun sitting there having that conversation. I'm going to ask, ask uh, Kyle Kasky uh, his thoughts on yeah. Ryan Tannehill because he was with Jacksonville with Urban Meyer in 2021 last year. And, of course, they played against um, Tennessee in the same division. Um, okay, most of you just reminding us that uh, refresh the page. We're all good. Besides that, though, that Thursday night game, I really want to see Aaron Rodgers perform well. I, I really hope that he's not done, like people are saying. Who said he's done? A lot of the media is calling his play into question, and I just don't. And especially Trace, who's a who's watched the Packers, thinks that he might be done. Done? Aaron Rodgers done? Yeah, I, and I might be misquoting him, but he, he's had some issues with Aaron and his no weapons. I, I Many people are saying, Tom. Many people are saying that. Many so, people are saying. I could be misquoting him. Well, I mean, if not, look, there is no me, way Aaron Rodgers is done. There, I, mean, I mean, come on. He's not done. He, I, I just think for the first time in a long time, he's playing for a team that, quite honestly, is just not very good. And we've not been used to watching Aaron right now. A big reason they've been good is because his stellar play through the years. But in fairness, when you let some of the guys walk out the door, they've had walk out the door in recent years. Um, it's just not the same. I mean, he only had one guy in that receiving core for a long time that he could really count on. And the guy walks out the door and goes to the Raiders. And, you know, even going back to when, and I remember when I was doing games, and Jordy Nelson got hurt. And uh, why am I drawing a blank on the guy who's still there, the former Kentucky great player, wide receiver? Who am I drawing a blank on? He's been with the Packers forever, great receiver. Or good – Randall Cobb. He's a Kentucky guy, right? Randall Cobb's been a good player, really good player. He's had an outstanding career. But those guys aren't Devontae Adams. And now all of a sudden he walks out the door – and you got a bunch of young guys, and going back to the preseason, you know, they're running routes. And, and that's the one thing. And we're going to talk to Kyle Kasky a little bit about this, too, about route running. A quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, any quarterback, but especially a guy like Rodgers who's so pinpoint in accuracy, when he's counting on a guy running eight yards, not nine, not seven, but running eight yards and then making whatever the play design is his cut. 
That's where Rodgers is counting on that guy being. And early in the year, they were not getting that. I don't know if they're getting it now. I mean, just because they won one game last week over Dallas at home doesn't mean all of a sudden their season's turned around. You think they're turned around, Casey, at four and six? Well, they showed really good signs of that just this last game against Dallas. I thought they had a really good game plan. And I think that's what's going to take for the Packers to succeed is to be able to run the football and use play action. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best play action quarterbacks in the NFL. No doubt. And uh, it's it's uh, I think their winning recipe. If they can continue to be able to run the football, I think they'll be able to succeed. Well, let's take a look real quick, just for the sake of argument, of where the Packers, how far they have to go. Okay. Right now, I mean, they're they're hovering right there at four and six. They're behind the San Francisco 49ers to get in the playoffs. And they're behind the Washington football wizards, now known as the Washington Commanders. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a long road for them to come back and win, but I okay. think I think with Aaron Rod- I I don't know if it's like my biasy towards Aaron Rodgers. I think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe of all time. And I think he can get them to at least the wild card. Okay. Well, he's got some work to do, and we got some work to do with Kyle Kasky. Pleasure to be joined. Former player for the Aggies down at Texas A&M, but also big-time discus guy. Kyle, did you walk away from football at Texas A&M to concentrate on track and field where you were an all-Big Ten, for 12, Big 12 performer? Is that right? Uh, I did, and uh, had money was the scholarship money was involved, so I, I kind of had to do that. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that I really wanted to move away from football, but uh, obviously I have, uh, you know, made my way back into football and trying to make my way back in again. So it's, it's just a, it's a different lifestyle we live as uh, coaches and football players and different things. So getting used to it. Um, you spent uh, nine years as an assistant coach with the Bengals. You had stops also in Detroit, and I mentioned a little while ago last year with Urban Meyer down there in Jacksonville. And obviously, you just said looking to get back, and we certainly hope you, you do. We, we want to see that happen for you. Um, yeah, we're talking about Ryan Tannehill for a minute. Now, I know you were only there in Jacksonville for a year. I understand that. But you play inside that division against uh, Tennessee. I maintain the guy is a solid, good quarterback who doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Their team and their identity is clearly to play great defense and run the football. What's your assessment of Ryan Tannehill? Just kind of curious. Uh, well, number one, he's an Aggie, so, I mean, I can't say anything bad about oh, him. Oh, forgot about that part. Okay. He's also he, he was also the starting receiver there before he was the starting quarterback. So, if that tells you anything about his athletic ability, uh, I think Ryan Tannehill is uh, perfect for what they're doing in Tennessee because they got Derrick Henry, obviously, and, uh, you know, that, that, that whole team is built around Derrick Henry and that defense, like you said. And you need a guy that could come in there and handle handle the offense. I hate to say be a game manager, but he, he makes enough plays. Now, he's been hurt right now. So, yeah, yeah. He, right now I think he's not necessarily at full speed because of his ankle. But when he's full speed and he's and he's in, uh, you know, he's healthy, his he can run the ball. And I think that's where, you know, we saw him, you know, beat us a couple times, not just because of Derrick Henry, but because, I mean, he made some clutch throws and, Every once in a while, you you lose contain on him, and he scrambles on you. So, 
uh, again, he's not healthy right now. So I, I would agree he's not playing at his top form right now. Um, you look at the Bengals and the Steelers this week, and, and you're an offensive-minded guy. Um, I don't know if you feel like uh, the word identity is used too frequently in this day and age when it comes to a team's you know, offense, defense, collectively, the whole nine yards. When, when, when you look at the Bengals and their offense, where do you think they are right now? I mean, are, are they a team that wants to run it well and they've run it well against crummy teams? Are they a team you think we're going to see run it a little bit more as the weather starts to go south, all those kinds of things? Or do you think that they would prefer to sling it around? I think, honestly, I think they, they would love to throw it. They'd love to win by throwing. And I think you've got the quarterback and the receivers to do it. But you got to remember, you, you you revamped that O-line, and you didn't revamp that O-line necessarily to sit back and pass block the whole game. You revamped them to, to bring some some bigger, better bodies in there and run the ball because you got Joe Mixon. And obviously they did that this last game. I, I think they are uh, they would like to be able to, to, to be more balanced, and I think they're pushing themselves in that direction. But, again, it, it, it you know, when you've got Joe Burrow and – you got RPOs called, and we, we had the same issue with Andy back in the day. Is that if you tagged an RPO to a run, uh, he's a quarterback. He wants to throw the ball. So if, if you know you had off coverage on AJ Green and you had a hitch route called for the RPO, he was throwing the hitch. So it, it just depends on uh, how you call it and, and and what they decide to do going forward. Because I, I do agree, I think Carolina's down. So you, you look at the the way that they ran the ball against Carolina, and that's not necessarily what I think they're they are. Um, 100%, but they showed they could do it. So you might as well, uh, you know, move forward, push that, push that, you know, push the run game a little bit more, see what happens, especially against Pittsburgh. You got to, I mean, you can't just sit there and just throw the ball all day and those uh, edge defenders are going to, you know, and Cam Hayward and those guys are going to, are going to hunt you down at some point. Um, I'm just curious. Um, when, when you're an offense and you start to have some injuries, we talked about Tennessee a little while ago, the Bengals are without Jamar Chase. Um, as a staff, is it normal, uh, an offensive staff, to say, okay, fellas, um, you know, we need to rethink about the style of play we want to have here based on injuries? Or are you counting on guys – you know, they still have Higgins. They still have Boyd. They've got Hayden Hurst. Uh, so they have some guys they can throw the football to. Um, but do you say, you know what, we're going to have to be a little bit more of this because of the situation we're in? Uh, you know, I think you got to look at who's the guy that's out, number one. I mean, obviously, Jamar Chase is your, you know, second best player on that team. So might argue first best player on the team behind Burrow. Uh, but you're looking at – is it can you can you still run the offense you had because the, of the position the kid played and I think they're trying to say we can still run the same offense because really you know it's it's one one out of three receivers that are on the field at all times so we, if we could find somebody to go out there and just hold his spot for a minute we could use the other guys we've got which I think is a good thing to think about but I liked what they did against Carolina as they said well I mean the run game's working so we're just gonna lean on that for this game get the win get out of here. Uh, and, and, you know, keep moving forward into the bye. And, uh, you know, against Pittsburgh, I think you've got to figure out what beats Pittsburgh. You can't, you can't sit there and say, uh, all right, Chase is out. We're just going to go run the ball. Well, 
I, I can tell you from experience running the ball on Pittsburgh is not easy. You can do it. But if you if you say that's all we're going to do, you got to stick with, with, with what's got you there. And they've got Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd's playing, I mean, as good as I've seen Tyler Boyd play. So I say keep getting the ball to those guys. And, and uh, Hurst, I mean, Hurst was a great addition. People don't give mm-hmm. him enough credit for the addition of, of what he was. But he, he really has stepped up. He's probably playing – a little better than CJ was at this point last year. And we all know, you know, how much CJ brought, uh, Uzama brought to the offense last year. You know, you were around for so many of those years and, and we talked about, you know, Andy Dalton led the team to the playoffs. Uh, I think his first five seasons in the NFL and, and what happened in the playoffs after that is, is not part of this conversation. Thank you. What I'm getting at is, is when you play the Steelers. Yeah. Is there a mental hurdle for a team that has been dominated by another team, even though the personnel, the players, coaches oftentimes change. Is there something that, that, that is a hurdle for a team like the Bengals to say to themselves, we're better than the Steelers, we have better players than the Steelers, and we're going to go beat the Steelers? Yes, and I, I do believe that there is. And if they say there's not, I, I think they're they're probably trying to talk themselves out of it. But uh, it, it was a little bit because we, we had lost so many games to them over the time. And I hate to say that there was a mental block, but we, you know, we treated the Steeler week, you know, a little differently. I mean, it was like, okay, it's Steelers week, which, you know, honestly, if we would have just treated it as if it was Cleveland week, you know, we might have been okay. But, you know, it was one of those things where we, we had to, we were trying to prove to ourselves that we we belonged, and uh, that was a team in the division that obviously we needed to take down. And while I was there, we, you know, we won the division twice, uh, thirteen and fifteen, made the playoffs those five years. But I'd be willing to bet if you look, I don't, I mean, I, I guarantee the record ain't great, but I think we might have beat Pittsburgh twice. I think once in Pittsburgh, and uh, obviously, you know, the, we lost the playoff game to them. And uh, at that point, you know, it was uh, it, it it hurt it hurt bad and. Um, I think this team, when they changed coaches, uh, a lot of the players weren't here for that. Huber and Clark Harris were the only ones here for that. Mm-hmm. And you, you look at, uh, I think they look at them as they're just another team at this point. I know, I know they understand the history, but I think at this point it's just, hey, it's another game. Let's go win the game. What do you think of Kenny Pickett? Have you had a chance to watch him much? He's made, I think, what, five starts. One of them he got knocked out of with a concussion. Any thoughts on him or even going back to his days at Pitt? Uh, I I think he was a really good player at Pitt. Um, you know, obviously they brought him in to, to be the guy. And uh, he still has – he gets happy feet back there a little bit if you get some pressure on him. The Saints got six sacks on him. But two of those sacks, he got sacked by his own offensive lineman. He, he had one – one where he was kind of scrambling around, tripped over a guy, and he had another one where the tackle got pushed back and he was trying to step up and tripped. And so I think he's just not really feeling that comfort level in the pocket with, with his with his O-line just yet, especially when you, you get to him a few times. And, I mean, that was six times he got sacked. That doesn't mean the other four or five times he got hit. So uh, that's where if you can get him rattled a little bit, I saw it towards the end of the game the other day where you could see a, a little bit of panic in him. But – um, other than that, I mean, when, when he's just dropping back and, and playing, I thought he made some good throws. I mean, he's got all the talent you need. Um, it's just, I think right now you can see the rookie coming out in him. Hey, before we let you go, I see that sign in the background, the Kasky Family Foundation. Tell us a little bit about that. What is it? All right, so we, we, uh, 
we brought the Caskey fan, we brought it into existence during the pandemic. Um, we were living in Detroit. And if you've ever been up to uh, Detroit, the Michigan area, Dearborn, those areas, uh, a lot of the schools were underfunded. And uh, you're asking kids to uh, do virtual learning, but they don't have the tools to do it. They don't have surfaces. They don't have computers. They don't even, I mean, they're borrowing phones and they're calling in to do math, uh, getting, getting a math lesson literally over a voice call. And I don't see how you do that. So we, we, we started it up and we uh, helped fund. We got 42 surfaces for a local school for their, for their students to take home with them during the pandemic. And then uh, we have turned around and since we've left Detroit uh, this past year, we did a school supply drive. We, we had donations come in. We took uh, uh, nominations of teachers who, would, who people thought were great teachers and, and could use some help supplying their, uh, their, their uh, classrooms with school supplies mm -hmm. for, this, for this year. So we ended up helping over 40 teachers this year. Uh, right now, you know, since I'm out, um, we don't really have anybody like a team to kind of cling to, but uh, once hopefully I can get back in, then we'll we'll start back up and do some drives and try to help out uh, local schools. It's based around education and just helping helping people that maybe don't have access to what they need to have access to it. Well, Kyle, congratulations, and uh, that's great stuff. And uh, we're rooting for you to get back in there. Somebody to give you a shot again to get back in the National Football League or big-time college coaching, and we thank you for your time today. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All righty. Kyle Kasky, kind enough to join us, and that's the Kasky Family Foundation. And uh, good for him and good for their family and the work they're doing to try to help young people. And, and you'd like to think this pandemic is uh, fully behind us. Interesting, interesting guest. Uh, we got to have him back. Yeah, we should. And we also, on the Chatterbox Sports YouTube in the chat there, we put the link in for the Kasky Family oh, Foundation good. if anybody good. wants to That's Kasky check that Family out. dot org. Yep. Um, in case maybe you're listening later uh, on a podcast form. So we wish him well in getting back into it. Um, coming up here in a matter of minutes, we're shifting gears to college basketball. And the big, big win last night for Casey's NKU's Fighting Norse. The Norsemen. Leif Harrison. Norse up. Is that their nickname, just the Norse or the Norsemen? The Norsemen. Norse. Well. I, I mean, because what happens when they have a, it's a women's game? I guess it is just Norse then. It is just the Norse. Well, well, your, it's I, your school. I think they actually go... Norsemen, like when they're talking about the men, and I don't know if they. I think it's just the. It's Norse. an old Viking term. Ah, Norse, the Norse. Where's Leaf? I haven't seen Leaf. Leaf, oh, he was Leaf was in the chat today. Leaf's been in the chat. Leaf's yeah, been. I've not seen him. Leaf's been an active participant today. Leaf, Leaf, Leaf probably had a little too much mead last night. If we're being honest, Leaf probably went out on the town, you know, pillaged a little bit, had some mead. Really. Yeah, oh, Leafs yeah. that kind of guy. Well, sure. Had I, I, I cannot find him anywhere on his chat. Uh, he, he, I'm scrolling all the way up, and there is no sign. Oh, there he is. He called Aaron Rodgers a bum. Says he could never make it in Scandinavia. <laughs> That's his only input today. Well, it's the, pretty lame. The chat doesn't go up far enough. After a while, the earlier chats disappear because there's only so many that can go in the chat at one time. But uh, to open the show, Leaf had a great opening statement about NKU. I don't know if Leaf's still watching or not. 
Sir Boy Wonder uh, Norse exclamation point. I mean, is he trying to like brown nose everybody that has an alma mater on this show? Because, no. I, I mean, I, I give him credit. He's always talking up the Bobcats. But much like Casey, who shows up today in his fishing lid and his pullover <laughs> with NKU on it, uh, I, I've never heard Sir Boy Wonder talk up the Norse from NKU. Is I got he a friend a... of yours, Casey? No, he's not a friend of mine. Well, well, I mean, he is a friend. Hang on, hang on. Let me back up. I don't know him. In, Whoa! I don't, I don't know he's him. He's a friend of the program, he, I'll tell you that. A, he's a great friend of the program. I misspoke. He is a good friend to me through this program, but I don't know him personally. What is your program? Sir Boy, what's your alma mater? I think he's an Ohio State guy. He's an Ohio State yeah, guy? Yeah, he's a big time I Ohio think he's State an Ohio guy. State yeah, big guy. time. I think he goes to every game. I, I, I'm pretty okay. sure he does. Wait, you guys know Sir Boy? No, but I, I've seen him on here uh, uh, or on Twitter where he's posted pictures uh, from the stands uh, at the Horseshoe in Columbus. Oh, there's I'm, Leaf. I'm sure there's Leaf. Tom, the Norse are for real. Okay. <laughs> 6412 says brown nose. <laughs> so we have the head coach Darren Horn coming up when? Uh, here very shortly. Here in, a, here in just a second. Any minute now. I can't wait to have him on to talk about this game. You know, he's an interesting guy. Um, he apparently is a native of Tate's Creek, Kentucky. Uh, he took over for John Brandon. And we know the John Brandon story. You know, he, he did a phenomenal job, took, uh, took uh, NKU to the NCAA tournament. Um, comes to UC, things did not go well. He's now back coaching, I believe, as an assistant at Dayton now, correct? Uh, he's on He's on staff I, sometime. Yeah, he has a role. He's not officially an assistant, but okay. he has a role at Dayton. But yeah. anyway, so Horn uh, was a great player in high school, college, at Western Kentucky. Uh, ends up becoming the head coach at Western Kentucky, where he had a really nice run. And then gets hired to go to South Carolina. And I got to tell you, uh, there have been a lot of really good coaches that have tried to go down there and win. And, you know, they just redid their arena down there at South Carolina. But there's just something about some of those SEC schools in basketball. I mean, when you think about a conference like that and all the money they have, and I know it's all focused on football. But outside of Kentucky, Florida had a short run there. They've not been really very good for a long time in basketball. Billy Donovan had a great run at it there. But I just find it so strange because when I was a kid growing up, and, I, and I'm going to ask Darren about this in a minute after we talk about last night's game, but, you know, w when I was a kid growing up, Georgia had some really good basketball teams. Alabama had Wimp Sanderson down there. They had some really good basketball teams. Vanderbilt, Kevin Stallings was down there. They had some good basketball teams. Um, you know, Mississippi State, they'd have a good run from time to time. But, but, but as far as consistency goes, the only team in the SEC that you could even put as a, a better-than-average basketball power is obviously Kentucky. And I've, I've always wondered why that is. With all the money they have down there. Paul, you're a big college basketball guy. Yeah. Why is the SEC not with the Big Ten or the Big East? Now, I know the Big East schools, in fairness. Most of them, they don't have football teams. So don't have to worry about spending a bunch of money on football. Yeah. Uh, but, but whether it's the ACC 
whether it's even the, 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 the Big 12, uh, certainly the Big 10. Uh, why is the SEC so bad in basketball? Well, they I don't, stink. I mean, they stink. I don't, I don't really think they do. I, I, I really don't think they do. Look at Kentucky. I said Kentucky. That's a but given. Take Arkansas, Eric Musselman. Alabama, Nate Oates. Again, they've had a run here or there. I'm talking about over the long haul. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a football conference, but it's getting there. I mean, if you look at what Alabama has done to invest in their program lately with Nate Oates, look at what Arkansas has done with Eric Musselman. To Musselman's a good coach. Musselman is a hell of a coach. Yes, he is. So if you – if you look at what the SEC has done, Todd Golden down at Florida. Florida, when when Florida gets back, as they say, when Florida is back, that'll be great for the SEC. And Todd Golden hired from San Francisco. We'll see help. about that. We'll see. I, I, Tennessee now has gotten better. Yeah, Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes, good coach. Great coach. Yeah, he's a nice coach. And um, what, what's the guy's name? I love the guy personality-wise. He got the team of the championship game. Uh, Auburn. Bruce Pearl. Yeah, uh-huh. Hey, he's got that program. Yeah, I mean, is Auburn a basketball school now? That's a good question. I mean, seriously. If you talk to everybody down there, they would be, they'd want to get sick, you even saying those words. But, but, look, but I can't say you're wrong. But Pearl and Musselman are in that same vein. Musselman at, the, at Arkansas is the same way, and it's the same thing as Chris Beard at Texas. You go to these football schools. Well, they're coming into the conference now. Yeah. SEC. And, and, and you get guys like Beard and Musselman. And, and Pearl at Auburn, they are elite, elite at engaging the fan base. Yes, they and are. getting the students involved, Especially getting the crowds Pearl. there. Yeah. It's great. Apparently, we're having a lot of streaming issues today. Uh, we're being accused by Sir Boy Wonder of uh, this is a Marty Brenneman internet. <laughs> Time to get Marty Brenneman to fix the internet. Don't know what's going on here today. Uh, there were a lot of power outages and that kind of thing up here yesterday. So we'll take a break. We're back with more. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We were talking about Darren Horn in his fourth year as head coach over at Northern Kentucky. 59 wins already, and he's just starting his fourth year. Twice in three years, he's won 20 or more games. And we mentioned earlier, a native of Tates Creek, Kentucky. He coached at his alma mater down there, uh, Western Kentucky. Uh, as well as South Carolina, and now at NKU. Coach, congratulations. Big win uh, last night. I think the easiest thing in the world for a lot of people to ask is, uh, is that a surprise that you beat Cincinnati? But based on everybody I talked to who watched the game, says it was no surprise at all. Yeah, you, you know what's interesting, Tom? I, I've been at this a long time um, and, you know, been in a bunch of games like that on, on both sides, right? And, you know, sometimes when, when, when the lower-level team wins, some guy goes off and gets 35, right? Or they, they hit 15 threes or the other teams without the best player or whatever. Not the case at all last night. That was two college basketball teams with their best guys available. Uh, you know, we didn't make many threes because they did a good job of taking them away. And uh, if you watch it from start to finish and you know anything about the game, it was just two teams that were pretty evenly matched in terms of ability and how they were playing. And we just played exceptionally well and we're, we're fortunate to get the win. I'm curious, Coach, when you go into a game like that, and look, I, I mean, I, you know, I haven't seen UC play. I know the success you guys have had uh, at NKU with John Brandon and you taking over uh, and how well you have done there. I don't know if your kids, you tell me, um, 
Do your kids or did your kids feel like going into that game, eh, you know, we're not so sure how this one's going to go, or did you guys walk in there feeling like, hey, we got a good team. We're picked to finish right at the top of our conference, and we can play with anybody. Yeah, no, I, I think our guys went into the game expecting to win, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's a group that uh, is, is, has a lot of confidence. They were recruited here to do different things. Uh, you know, you touched on the, the, the history here in the program, the good job that John did when he was here, but there's still a lot left to be done. That, that's our first win over a high major, uh, you know, in, in program history. We still don't have a postseason tournament win uh, in Northern Kentucky, so that there's a lot to be accomplished. All the guys in our program, Tom, were recruited to be a part of that, and so they, they kind of had that game circled on the calendar as, as an opportunity, uh, you know, to do something that, that's never been done here. And, and uh, so we're really excited about it. And, and you know, for, for me, it was interesting because I, I've been a part of some of those Cincinnati games in the early 2000s when I was at Marquette. Uh, my first year in coaching, I coached against Danny Fortson as an assistant at Western Kentucky. Uh, had some battles in the early 2000s. Uh, the Kenyon Martin team, Steve Logan. Uh, now, this Cincinnati team is, is not that by any stretch. Uh, but, you know, there's tremendous history there. You're talking about a top 20 uh, program in, in college basketball history historically and and uh, you know to get a win over as a school school like that uh, you know for northern Kentucky and just I think our eighth year division one is, is is pretty significant you know coach you guys have done uh, such an incredible amount there at NKU as you just mentioned just eight years since you made the jump up to D1 I'm kind of curious for, for for the average guy out there who's a basketball fan and, and and look in this market if you will right I'm not telling you anything you don't know you know, you got UC, you got Xavier, you got a lot of University of Kentucky fans. Uh, you've got this whole kind of thing going on. Um, as the guy running the program there, your goals incrementally are what? Well, I think it starts with, with what happened last night, right? Uh, you, you want to create a great college basketball atmosphere. I mean, there, there's no – I don't know that you're going to get to, you know, 200 tickets from sellout every game. Uh, but there's no reason we shouldn't have six or 7,000 people in our building every night. Uh, being in games like we were in last night and winning some of those. We're in a, in a neutral site tournament next week with some uh, really high-level mid-majors, having a chance to win something like that. Uh, you know, we've never dominated our league. I, th I think maybe John had one regular season title or tied or something, but never dominated our league uh, uh, in a regular season with an outright title. You know, th th there's a lot to be done here, I think, uh, continuing to – uh, upgrade our talent level, you know, and, and that's the thing that I was most pleased with last night as a coach looking long term is that I didn't see a ton of difference in talent uh, on the floor between what UC had and what we had. And, 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 and a lot of our guys are young and including Sam Vincent, who's from right here in the area. And, you know, he wasn't recruited by Cincinnati or Kentucky or Ohio State or anybody and and played like he wanted them to know. Is that the kind of kid coach, you know, at the end of the day, and I know you want to get to the point where you can walk in and say, hey, look, you know, we've got, and you got a great arena, uh, and we've got great fans, uh, you got a great university, a building, budding university that's really blossoming uh, through all these many decades now since the university first launched. Right now, you try to zero in on the kind of kid that is who? Well, we, we want a guy that, you know, we think, first of all, um, you know, take Sam Vincent, for example. He's a local kid. We want as many local kids as we can. Um, and we want a guy that, when you turn on the game, looks like he belongs in a game like last night. So, you know, athletically, uh, they, they got to have a certain baseline. 
Uh, but but we want a guy that's got a chip on his shoulder that's extremely competitive and that we think has a high ceiling. You know, the, the one thing that uh, we think we do really well, Tom, I'm, I'm never going to uh, claim to be uh, John Wooden uh, or, or, or be the guy that's, you know, going to win everything on the uh, on the chalkboard or the clipboard at, at a timeout. Uh, but one thing our guys do, and we think we do it as well as anybody in college basketball, is our players get better. Uh, they really develop. Uh, we've got a long track record of that uh, in my, my 13 years as a head coach. And, and so we want guys that we think have a tremendous upside uh, that, you know, as a junior, when you watch them, if you're in the NCAA tournament one day and you're, and you're winning a game, again, which is a goal of ours that hasn't happened here at this school, people are, are asking, man, where, where'd they get that guy from? And then all the schools that didn't recruit him, they're, 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 their fans are online saying, yeah. how do we pass on this guy? Why is he so good? Those are the kind of guys that we're looking for. And, and, and a big part of that is their competitive nature. And I think Sam's a, a great example of that. You know, I was told by some people, though, Coach, that have watched you. Uh, and, and look, I was one of the great all-time fifth and sixth grade basketball coaches in the history of Cincinnati. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, <laughs> but I was one of the all-time. But, you know, one of the things I, 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 I love to watch, um, and I don't see it from everybody. I, I'm just curious, uh, and I know you're, you're, you're going to be very humble about this, but guys that I talk to that have watched your teams play, uh, and Paul was talking about this on the air a little while ago, is that when you're coming out of timeouts, uh, whether it's, you know, inbound the ball underneath your own basket, whether it's inbounding the ball, you know, wherever it is, is, is the design plays on how you can get baskets. And I'm not going to say the other team's sleeping, but they're not exp- – I always used to think that Thad Mata was so good at those kinds of plays, uh, drawing up, especially underneath his own basket. Um, is that something as a coach – that, that, that through your years and experience, whether it was as a, an assistant at Tom Crean or some of these other guys where you've been, that, that some page, coaches pay attention to that maybe more than some others do? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, I think a big part of that, Tom, is the NBA influence, right? Um, you know, and, and, and I, I probably got big on it when I was an assistant at Marquette with Tom Crean. Uh, you know, we were there in Milwaukee with the Bucs and spent a lot of time with those guys, and it's it's such a big thing at that level. There's so many possessions, and it's so important to get your stars going. You know, how, how can we get them the ball in the right position and, and against the coverage that we're seeing? And, you know, it's funny. I was joking with our staff after the game last night, Tom. We, we had three situations last night out of timeouts that were brand-new things we'd put in for this game that, you know, if you execute them well and the ball goes in, what you're talking about happens, and it looks great. And, wow, that guy really knows what he's doing. And if, you know, the guys, you know, screw it up or throw it off their foot or, or shoot a brick, you know, it, it's nothing, right? Right. And uh, last night we had three of those situations, and our guys did a phenomenal job of executing and getting baskets or getting fouled. And so some of it's that, but it, it is something that uh, we do focus on and believe in very strongly just because, you know, the, the game is hard now, man. Uh, everybody can play. Coaches are spending a lot of time scouting and preparing. To score in the half court is, is difficult. So if you got a chance to get your team organized and – try to take advantage of something, uh, you know, to, to get a key guy a basket, uh, you know, it's it's something that, or, or even just a shot attempt, uh, it's something that we definitely focus on. Well, Coach, we can't thank you enough for your time. We'd love to have you come back if you have the time. I know the season's a long one and a lot of late nights and early mornings and grinding stuff out. Uh, I've been down that road myself for a long time, and, and we just thank you and congratulations on a great win last night. Well, thanks for having me on, Tom. And, and, and if you need me back on to, to do some SEC basketball education, all right? You know what? No, no, no. Since that. you brought it up, I, wanna, I want you to answer me that question, okay? Because, I, you know, look, 
Uh, and Paul points out, uh, you were down there in South Carolina. I took both yeah. my daughter and our son to visit down there. Beautiful place in Columbia. Nice people, whole nine sure. yards. Uh, they got that beautiful new arena uh, and the whole nine yards. So it's a great venue. But I'm just curious, based on your experience, uh, and, and I don't know if you can compare it, even though you were in Milwaukee, which is quote-unquote Big Ten country, if you will, up there. But I'm curious, do the SEC schools just pay so much more attention to football than basketball? You know, I, I, I think a big part of it is it's, it, part of it's the tradition, right? Sure, football at most of those places is, is, is more important and bigger. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's a cultural thing a little bit in the South. Uh, you know, I think it's such a big event on Saturdays uh, for football or, or Friday nights, even in high school. I think the other part of it, Tom, is that, you know, everything that we do uh, comes down to, to recruiting, period. What, what, what players can you get at the school that you're at? And, and, and a big part of that, if you look at the schools that have been successful, Kentucky's an outlier because Kentucky's yeah. Kentucky and they've recruited nationally for 50 years. But can, can you get the best players in your state? Uh, to stay home. So you, you look at the schools that have had some runs uh, or have, have had a little bit more consistency, and, and they've been able to do that. Uh, you know, th those guys will, will, will stay home. They want to go there. You know, the, the ones that have had some high points or a little longer runs, the Alabamas, the LSUs, Arkansas, uh, Tennessee uh, is probably one of the better basketball programs. Th th those schools are able to do that and, and, and able to keep those guys. And, and so – that's a big, big part of it. You know, I mean, there, there's a ton of money now. Coaches are getting paid. There's resources to run your program. But, you know, that interest from the recruits and, and being able to get the best players, at the end of the day, we're all only as good as our players. And so uh, I think that's a big, big part of it. And that landscape is continually changing now in college basketball, right, with the NIL and the, um, the transfer portal. And so that's something that's going to be really interesting uh, to navigate. And I, and I think that's going to be a challenge moving forward for all, for all the schools in our area specifically. Well, that, and that brings up the one point I was going to ask you, and I didn't want to take too much of your time. But, but you know, you hear so much uh, about the NIL and the transfer portal, and maybe it's just because it's this time of the year with football, right? But with, but with basketball, um, what is the – it was said that the rich are only going to get richer. And, again, I'm just hearkening back to football. But I'm sure you could say the same thing about basketball, whether you're talking about North Carolina or Kentucky or Duke or UCLA, whoever you want to talk about. Um, I, for, for a school that, that it's building what you're building at NKU, is NIL – I'm going to separate these two. Is NIL um, a, a plus or a minus for you guys? Well, I think it's a plus for us, right? Because, you know, if, if a kid's going to, with the transfer portal and them not having to sit out, if they're going to leave because they just want to be at a higher level, then, you know, they're going to leave, right? We, we had a terrific player who's a two-time champion here, Jalen Tate, three-time champion, actually, um, who at the end of, no, with no NIL, at the end of his uh, senior year, he had a fifth year. He just wanted to try to go play at the highest level. Uh, you know, he just wanted to be at one of those schools and, and kind of see what he could do. Went to Arkansas and, and did really well. And so I think that's always been the case uh, if, if you're at a mid-major school. Where I think it's helpful is, you know, our, our guys are involved in it. There's, there's some stuff happening here for, uh, I, I think, there to be more opportunities for our guys. And, 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 I, and I think what you get, Tom, is like, you know, of course there's going to be, and, and I don't know what these numbers are, and again, coaches aren't involved in it at all, but, you know, some school, you know, 
and it's not supposed to be pay for play, but it, it, it seems like maybe that's how it's happening at the higher level. Yep. That, you know, if, if, if it's made obvious to a kid that, you know, there's a certain number that, yeah, it really looks like he might have an opportunity to earn, then, yeah, we're probably not going to meet that number. But if, if we can do something for our guys and they're having a great experience here and they're getting better, uh, then, then I think it's a positive for us. And, 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 and in general, I'm in favor of, of, of players, you know, having – uh, the, the freedom to pick the right school and, and, and to earn on their name, image, and likeness. I just hope we haven't gotten too far ahead of ourselves and these guys are jumping ship and chasing uh, some pennies uh, that in the long term it's not best for them and, and, and transferring out. You know, a stat that people aren't talking enough about is last year over half the kids, and it was over 1,000 that went into the portal, uh, ended up without a Division One scholarship this fall. You You're know, and that, That's not good because at the end of the day, though, we're becoming semi-pro, which is fine. Uh, you know, we're, we're still in the business of helping young people and trying to educate some kids. And so you hate to see that, especially with, uh, you know, the, the, the de demographic that's affected by it the most. So so if I heard you right, because I've never heard anybody say this before. Are you, are you saying that, that, that there were a thousand kids last year that were, were on some kind of scholarship wherever it was they were? They decide to leave to go into the transfer portal. And half of those players don't get any money to go somewhere else. Is that right, or did I misunderstand you? Yeah, no, I, I, and my numbers might be a little off. Okay, but, but, it's, but it's close. 50, in, in terms of totals, but it's pushing 50% of kids that just don't get scholarships. So, you know, you're talking about guys that leave, you know, for the most part, uh, probably low to mid-majors, uh, I would say. Uh, you know, again, I don't have all the statistical information on it. But there's a lot of guys that don't get picked up. You know, grass isn't always greener. And going through this process and maturing as a young person and, uh, you know, learning some, to deal with some adversity and those kind of things is, is still part of what we do. That is the one thing that still separates us a little bit from being fully professional, right? There's an academic component, and we yep. still are in the, in the business of trying to do that. Uh, and, again, I'm, I'm in favor of all the other. I think it's great. Uh, but, you know, that's that's not a good thing. And so hopefully that'll kind of come back down, right? And the other thing that's going to be really interesting, and, and we won't deal with this at our level as much in terms of total numbers, but some of the numbers you hear getting thrown around, uh, you know, if you're Ohio State for sure, and probably if you're Xavier or Cincinnati, Tom, they're, they're, they're significant. They're significant. And, um, you know, what, what about performance? What about then if that kid wants to leave? I'm just not sure how the people that are involved in these, you know, collectives and NIL situations are going to feel about if they've helped get a kid to a school or, you know, helped uh, with his NIL and uh, all of a sudden, um, yeah, he's not there anymore. He doesn't play very well. You know, it's a different yeah. dynamic that's going yep. on. So I don't know how long it takes that to play out. Is it three years? Is it five or seven? I don't know. But I think there's going to be some settling effect, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, with all of this. Uh, but I think for us, it's a good thing because we're a building, growing program that, you know, yeah, if, if you can go to Kentucky and they're telling you, hey, we feel like you can get what Oscar Seaway's getting, yeah, we would, we, I might kick them out the door, Tom. <laughs> I might kick them out the door and say, take that opportunity, man. Appreciate what you've done for us. Because the other thing about it is, keep this in mind, nobody wants you at that level if you haven't been successful here. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and, uh, and so, you know, if we're in the business of believing that, uh, we help young people improve and get better and try to make them successful. Uh, we're not going to take an opportunity from them. Uh, so all in all, I think it could be a positive for us and something we're excited about. And we were fortunate that we kept our best guys this year, and, and uh, we'll hope that it happens again. And, and if we don't, you know what? We'll, we'll, have to go, we'll have to go get another one. Coach, thank you for your time. This has been great. NKU's in good hands with you at the helm over there. All the best to you.
Well, any, anytime, Tom. I uh, appreciate being on and uh, love to come back some other time, talk college basketball in general if you want. You know, they, they paid me to do that for a few years when I was out. I there. know they did. I, I mean, yeah, I'm I tell, I mean, you belong right up there the on the set. Team, man. I mean, hell, you ought to come in here. I mean, there are people that want to run me out of here. The guys that are working with me accused me of being an ex-professional the other day. So, I mean, it is what it is, right? <laughs> I've been accused of the same, brother. Yeah, I got it. Coach, good luck to you. Thank you for your time. All right, thanks a lot. What a great dude. He's the best. God, what a great guy. And, I mean, obviously he can coach. And, yes, can. I mean, if you're an NKU basketball fan, there's a lot to be excited. Not just beating UC last night, but – the Norse. Norse up, baby. I'm a Norse guy moving forward after having him on. You know, we try to get all these highfalutin guys on, you know, from these big programs, right? Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Brandon Seho, you were the one who touched base with, with their guys at NKU last night after a big win. I mean, Darren Horn's got other things to do. Obviously, the other coaches have other things to do. Great guy. Great guy. Congratulations, Darren Horn and the NKU Norse. The Tracer is around the corner. Well, every Tuesday and Thursday, we shift gears the best 30 minutes of television twice a week. I mean, this is uh, getting bigger numbers in Yellowstone. Yes, we the wish. Return of Yellowstone, you know, the I, Tracer. You know what? You could have you know been what? a Yellowstone kind of a man, don't you think? You could have been out there on you the know, prairie. I like that stuff. I like to ride horses. I like to wear cowboy boots. Uh, Danae's a big cowgirl, too. She likes that. So, yeah, really? I could. Yes, my one girlfriend. Uh, remember my one girlfriend from Oregon? Her yes. nickname was the heifer. The heifer. Remember her, big girl? She was really into the whole farming and cattle raising and haying, if you know what that is, Tom. I know you don't know what that is, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I would do it. It's so cool there. Uh, is it in Wyoming? No, it's not in Wyoming. It's in Montana. It's in, uh, it's in Montana. Montana. Uh, you know, I have, uh, I have uh, only seen you, only seen you in flip-flops. I can't imagine, um, or, or a pair of, you know, like those slip-on surfer kind of Southern <laughs> California attire, you know, that kind of thing when I've seen you uh, socially from time to time. I just can't see you out on the prairie. I, I mean, I, I, I don't think I can. You know what I do, and I have a couple of them. I have a couple of cowboy hats. See, instead of my hat on backwards, I'd have my cowboy hat. I'm all about that. In fact, I might be going to a dude ranch here in about, I think, six months. Now, honestly, you know, riding horses and, and doing things like that. I'm, I'm all about that. All I've about done that. It. I've done that myself a number you of times. You fish at all? Uh, you, I, fish? I, I, you know what? I like fly fishing. My wife is a really good fly fisher person or fisher woman or whatever you say. She well, grew up in Arizona, yeah. but her family would do a lot of that. And uh, when we first started dating and we were living in Arizona, she kind of got me into it. I'm not any good at it, but I really yeah, like doing it. it's a real skill. It. Yeah, it really yeah, is. It's, it, a, real it's skill. a great skill. And it's fun. It's very peaceful. Um, and so I've been out to uh, Montana and Colorado to go fly fishing. Are you a fly fisher? You know, I'm not. But I know that takes a lot of skill. I like to go fishing. You know what I'm not? I'm not a hunter. 
Like I like to shoot yeah. guns, but believe no. it or not, I could not kill anything. I, no, I, I couldn't I'm either. I'm a big animal lover. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't shoot and kill someone. I really, something I should say, not someone. <laughs> hey, hey, we've got a question. You... We've got a question Go real quick. Uh, Reds Fest okay. is coming back this year. Are, are you a regular at Reds Fest? Are you going this year? Do you get invited to that? You know what's funny? Funny you should bring that up. This is the third straight year I have not been invited. You know, Tom, people come to see me at Reds Fest. I'm actually po more popular than a lot of those players they have. No uh, doubt. But yeah, the, la the last three years have not been invited to Reds Fest. And the first two years they had Reds Fest, I was not invited to Reds Fest. So I don't know if there's someone in the organization that doesn't like me. I mean, I can probably guess. But, yeah, I kind of take it a little personal. It's kind of insulting. It really is. Well, now, do you think, do you think that that have might, and that's been a number of years ago since you used to do extra innings, and correct me if I'm wrong, right. when, you, when you were doing extra innings on WLW before you moved into the afternoon drive time spot, um, yeah. they had some pretty good teams. So you weren't sitting up there beating them up all the time, right? Or am I wrong about that? You would be wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, there were, you know, remember, if the team's winning, you don't get the calls. If you criticize the team and kind of stir the pot, which I'm yeah, pretty good at yeah. doing, then you get more interest. Um, and then the show always ventured off into some crazy stuff instead of talking about the game. So I got in trouble at times about not talking about the Reds and talking about my personal life and talking about Richard from Indian Hill and and Rod from Norwood right. and Brandy, my girlfriend on the sideline side, all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't think you could talk three hours about a baseball team. I mean, what the you hell probably, kind of radio is that? You've probably lost touch, though, I would imagine, with those guys. Uh, Richard and uh, who, who is it from Norwood? Rod? Rod from Norwood. He had that. Have you lost no touch with those guys or did you stay oh, in touch no, with no. those guys? No, I stay in touch with all those guys. Uh, Richard from Indian Hill uh, just got a new car and uh, new Mercedes. Very nice. And uh, yeah, I, I stay in touch with those guys. Rod from Norwood's kicking ass. He's fixing uh, lawnmowers, uh, doing that. He's getting ready for Christmas. He's got the uh, Norwood spruce in his basement. Uh, that he gets going and, and, and plants and uh, he's going to actually sell Christmas. Yes. And he's going to sell the, the Norwood spruce is what he calls it. Rod's from Norwood and he's going to sell those Christmas trees at his house. I think starting after Thanksgiving. Well, you know what? Just for you giving him some pub, I'm going to go buy my Christmas tree from him this year. Yeah, it, they're really, really strong Christmas trees. They're really, really nice. Can I tell you a story, something that happened to me that I think you would be interested in? And the Ham and Eggers probably would have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> of course. Yeah, they had no idea. Yesterday, I'm walking in Sarasota. I like to, you know, just kind of clear my head, walk in Sarasota. You talking downtown Sarasota? About... Wait, I don't want to interrupt, no, but no, I just no, want to no. paint the picture no. here. Are you talking in the city or are you talking on the beach? It's in the city. It's okay. in the city. I know was, downtown was, Sarasota quite well. Okay. Okay. I'm sure you do. That's where a lot of big time people live. So I'm walking Sarasota and I'm just thinking about memories. You know what I mean? Just yep. my life and how lucky I am. So I'm just walking and 
and I come across these fields, baseball fields. And you know the type, Tom, where there's about a backstop, about eight fields, right? You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there. I've been thinking about my dad who just recently passed away. Sad. And I was thinking about my dad and just my whole life. And I came across these baseball fields completely empty, completely empty. And I thought, boy, how sad is that? I turned the corner and there was a little league team, not a select team, a little league team out there practicing, Tom. And I thought, how cool is that? And the kids weren't standing around. They had like four coaches working all the kids, kind of doing stations. Kids were moving. You know, they weren't kids picking dandelions. It was just such great memories because I can remember as a kid, we couldn't find fields to practice on. I mean, it was that scarce. And here, I all these fields, not a single kid. And then all of a sudden, I turn this corner, and here's this team practicing. It was just I don't know, maybe I'm being too corny here, but I just thought, talk about memories. And I thought that was really, really neat. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, and I don't think there's anything corny about it at all, because I think the Colorado Rockies were the first team to start doing this, where, you know, their big charitable arm of the Rockies organization um, involved going in and refurbishing fields in neglected areas of town. Uh, a lot of inner city, yeah, some of the nicer suburbs, but, but more the, the, the cities and some of the, the more uh, underserved uh, suburb areas. And, of course, the Reds have done the same thing. I think a yes, lot of ma Major League Baseball teams have done this. And, Tracy, I got to tell you, um, most of the time when I'm driving around greater Cincinnati through some of these areas, uh, those baseball fields will have, you know, uh, uh, you know, Joe Blowfield after some former player or, you know, Rick Smith, some former player and not a soul to be found. Now, you're not going to see it in the dead of winter in Cincinnati, obviously, but I'm talking about right in the middle of summer, maybe late in the afternoon. Kids aren't in school, could be out practicing baseball. I just don't see it. Well, I don't understand what has changed. I just kind of shake my head because you know how much I love the game of baseball. Yep. And I went over and, and introduced myself to the team. Well, they uh, knew who you, you were. Know, well, the, the kids didn't, of course, Tom. But, of course, the dads did. I signed the autographs. Right. Uh, charged the kids only $2.50. It's regular $5. So I gave them a discount and just told them what a great job they were doing with those kids. And I just... I, I think of my dad because that was such an important part of our lives. I mean, those those Saturday and Sunday games were everything. Tom, we had 20 baseball teams, two sides of the field. One side, I didn't even know one, 10 of the teams, believe it or not. And then we had 10 on, that we played, that, that I was in the division. There were so many good kids. We had three first-round draft picks out of that. Uh, I'll tell you who were some pretty good ballplayers. Of course, myself. Uh, Mike Scott, yep. uh, Tracy Jones, just to name a few. I mean, those are some pretty good ball players. A guy by the name of Greg Staffan, who went 22nd player picked in the country. Mike Colburn, who went to the White Sox, like 17th pick. I mean, and this is a one-mile by one-mile stretch, and it was that many kids. It was during the baby boomers, a lot of kids. It was just such great memories. But when I saw those kids out there practicing, and my tip to my hat, tip to the hat, 
to the to the uh, coaches because they're yep. keeping the kids moving. Yep. And Tom, I know you coach your kid, right? Yep. You got to keep the kids. You don't want them standing around. No and those doubt. Kids, those coaches were doing a great job. Yeah, you got to keep them moving. There's no doubt about it. You, you know, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I'm sure you're very, very busy, even though you're still down there in Florida. Uh, you're still very busy with your very successful money management operation, that empire. And, of course, uh, having to make sure that all the units, uh, rental units you have in and around greater Cincinnati are, are, are staying in line uh, and that kind of thing. We had Dusty Baker yesterday on the air uh, for about 50 minutes. Uh, incredible conversation with him. So gracious uh, for his time and with his time yesterday. But, you know, he was talking about his dad, like you're talking about your dad, and my son will be able to say about me, thank God, one day, because all of us had the time to do it. Uh, they had the time to do it, wanted to do it, coach our kids, be involved. Uh, a lot of dads aren't able to do that because um, uh, they're working hard. Um, but, you know, Dusty talked about his dad actually threw him off the team or suspended him from the team when he was eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old, 11 years old, at different points in time for temper tantrums, getting angry. Did you ever have anything like that with your dad? You better believe it. You better believe it. And, and my dad was so tough on me. I one time got straight A's. I know it's hard for you people to believe that I'd actually get straight A's on a report card in the seventh grade. Didn't even say good job, right? But if I go 0 for 4, there's a huge problem. I mean, baseball was everything. I'll tell you a story. We were beating a team 11 to nothing. And my little brother, Terry, played on my team. Everybody had a hit except for me. So I took a ball at shortstop and threw it that my brother should have caught. He didn't catch it. And I started yelling at him on the field. My dad came and got me and told me, get your stuff, you're out. And I walked home. And that, that's a true story. And then I actually got the belt. <laughs> I know people don't. I did. I got the belt for yelling at my brother, making a fool of myself. But he sent me right there. He didn't even wait. And he was, he was, my dad was about as tough as you, as you can imagine. I mean, he was tough on all the kids. Never complimented me. Never, never said, Trace, I'm proud of you that you played in the big leagues. Now, I know he was proud of me, but he never said. I one time went four for five against USC. Remember the Trojans, right? Yeah. He said, what happened that last at bat? Were you afraid of success? I was like, Dad, I went four for five. He says, well, you could go five for five. There's nothing against that. But that's how he was. He was always dwelling on the negative and not very positive. And he just, that's just the way he was. No, but I got to ask you, uh, because I am a big proponent when I coached basketball, both boys and girls, and I, I know I joke around a lot uh, uh, about this, but, but, but my style was more the, you know, sort of Bob Huggins, you know, uh, Shashevsky kind of style, getting on, you know, even kids, not, not, not to a certain level. But I got to tell you, uh, and, and I think that, that kids are undercoached now. Uh, as far as some of that tough love is concerned. And we'll get to that topic in a minute. But I got to tell you, Tracer, in all seriousness, it makes me a little sad to hear, to hear you tell me that story that, that, you know, that you weren't complimented more. There's a fine line there, but, but, but it, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think it's a little bit sad. Or, or, and I'm being totally serious. There's no joking yeah, about any of this. Do you, do you, I mean, 
Is there a part of you that feels a little bit that way? A little bit, a little bit. And I did talk to my dad about it toward the end of his life. And it was just, he was just tough. Man, he just, like he never told me he loved me, but I knew he loved me. He was just, he's hardcore. I mean, that's why I'm kind of hardcore. You know, I, I just, I grew up in a different era. I never got, uh, I, I was never given anything. I think that's why I appreciate so much that I have now because we grew up poor. I mean, we were six people in a 1200 square foot home, mm-hmm. you know, with popcorn ceilings yep. and paneling. Yep. You know, it, it just, we our, our vacation was one day we went to Disneyland and that was it. All we did was play ball. I mean, I wanted to be a major league baseball player and I'll never forget my dad telling me this. My dad was worked at Chevron, Standard Oil Refinery there in El Segundo and it was Christmas Eve and he got his lunch pal. And I says, dad, where are you going? He says, Trace, I'm going to work. I got to work. I says, dad, but it's Christmas Eve. He says, I got to make a living. He says, Trace, let me tell you something. Playing in the major leagues beats carrying a lunch pail to work. I'll leave you with that and walked out and boy, it hit hard. And you, and that was like, I was 10, 11 years old. Tom, I wasn't very good at that age. I mean, I was the littlest guy in my little league. I kind of have a small man's complex because I got bigger and I got that hard, tough attitude. And my dad just ingrained that. I mean, whether it was football or basketball, um, he was he was tough. But I was and my mom was tough. My mom was my mom was a great athlete. I one time gave up a grand slam and eight runs in the first inning pitching in high school. And my mom called me over after the game and goes, what the hell was that? <laughs> Just, you know, there was, in my family, there was no Mutt and Jeff. They were both Mutts. I mean, and I love my parents. And I think they built a character that I have because I'm a hard worker, but there was no pat on the back at all. All right, what all. lessons now, let's carry that forward. Because oftentimes, and I'm not, I'm not you know, putting you on the Freudian couch here, but but right. what lessons moving forward then did you take with Hunter, your son, who who played I professional was, baseball? Well, well, let me tell you something about kids nowadays. You can't really get on their ass. Yes, you can. Down. That is nonsense. That's nonsense. But anyway, we're talking about you and Hunter. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I just I was complimentary, but I was tough because I could watch his games every night. I did it for ten years, right? Because I'd get the minor league package. And I would sit there on my 70-inch TV and watch every single pitch and every single at-bat. I mean, you want to know something that's painful because baseball, you fail 70% of the time. So I would call him after the game. I said, you know he's going to start you off with a fastball because Danae would watch the games with me and she'd say, how do you know what pitch is coming? I said, because I've been doing it my whole life. And just things that I would see. And it was just, it was tough for Hunter. I mean, he made it to AAA, made it to big league camp and everything. Just couldn't get over that button. Very proud of him. But I was I was kind of tough like my dad, too. And it really caused a strain with Hunter. And going, and, but now we're really, really tight. But I, w- I just couldn't help but be critical. If I saw something, I had to say something. And, and I don't think your dad does that with you, right? Because same thing. I mean, you're talking about me and baseball. Did, I don't think your dad's one to be critical of your play-by-play. No? Yes? 
Uh, no, uh, but, but I mean, I think with him, it was more of a case. I think, you know, it, it's more of a case where, uh, he would have something to say if I asked him, let's put it that way. Right. So if I said, yes. oh, hey, you know, what'd you think of the football game yesterday? And I know he'd watch it if I was doing the 49ers and the Packers, you know, pick two teams mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Um, but, 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 you know. Well, I might have done it this way, might have done it. No, but, they, you know, but, but my folks were hard on me, and I'm hard on my kids. I mean, they're the first to tell you. I mean, I, I'm hard on them. You know, you got to demand excellence. And at the end yeah. of the day, you have to demand. It doesn't mean you have to go four for four as a baseball player. My son, who's a, you know Ohio player of the year in lacrosse last year as a goalie, doesn't yep. mean he's got to pitch a shutout every single game that he's playing in the goal because in that sport, it's unreasonable and it's impossible. Guys are shooting 90 miles an hour from, from me to this wall, you know, 12 feet away. It's not going to happen. But you, you got to demand excellence. And the excellence part is being ready to go. Get ready to yeah. get ready to get ready, as I say to him all the time. It's time to get ready to I get ready to get ready. I wanted to ask you, do you ever get jealous of the relationship I have with your dad? I mean, just how well he treats me. I mean, he's told me, he says, you know, you're the Major League Baseball player I never had as a son. I mean, he, he's somewhat proud of you, Tom, but he's really just, he just, he loves me, doesn't he, Marty? He does. He brought up your name yesterday. In fact, um, <laughs> he, he, he told me that <laughs> he's laying in the weeds for you about a couple of things that have to do with this show. What is it? I, I'm that that's that's you and him that's your relationship but yeah you know uh ham and eggers Tom, today you haven't had anything to say to try you know we've learned a little bit about tracy a lot about tracy here today yeah. we've seen the was... soft side if you will of tracy jones today yeah yeah casey yeah i mean you feel uh, bad for me yeah we should throw a pity party for you tracy Sounds oh funny. i got something i got can i touch on something Polly. Yeah. Did you, did you get those tickets for your for your ah, girlfriend? Ah, yes. Yes, we resolved the issue, Tracy. I waited in the Ticketmaster line for five hours, but Let came me, through. I got them. Well, I've seen Taylor Swift. I saw her with uh, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. She was the warm-up for, for them. Uh, very good. I like her. But here's what I'm going to tell you, Paul, and I'm going to give you some really good advice here, okay? Okay. When I went to Taylor Swift, there were a lot of good-looking girls in the audience. Yes. Now, what you need to do is maybe get some phone numbers. When you take your girlfriend there, you got to get her something to drink, right? Go and kind of make your rounds, and I guarantee you, you'll pick up at least five phone numbers. So in case anything happens with your girlfriend, you've got those five numbers. I used to do it all the time when I went to Linda Ronstadt. Remember Linda Ronstadt, Tom? <laughs> yeah, I married to, to Jerry Brown. Married to Jerry Brown, yeah, former yeah. governor of California. I'll, I'll tell you who I was really hot on. Karen Carpenter. Remember well, Karen Carpenter? Very well. Sadly passed away. Her and her brother Richard, beautiful music they wrote together. Yeah. But, Paulie, get, just get some numbers. It's a great backup plan. I used to do it all the time. <laughs> Did you have those pieces of paper, Tracy, just kind of fall out of your pocket when you came home later in the night just in case, you know, Danae stumbled on them or... Or the heifer. <laughs> Taylor Swift wasn't around when you were hanging with the heifer. <laughs> no, she she wasn't. wasn't even born yet. She's pretty yet. good, though. 
You know, we're talking about concerts. The three worst concerts I've ever been to. You ready for this? Yeah. Bon, bon Jovi. I believe that. Kiss. Kiss. I, I saw Kiss. They were good, but go ahead. Yeah. And uh, that tired-ass act, Jimmy Buffett. That guy is tired. Those are the worst concerts I've Jimmy ever been Jimmy Buffett? I know you like Jimmy Buffett, don't I you? love Jimmy Buffett. How? How? I have never heard anybody describe. I've heard people that don't like his music. That's fine. But I've never heard anyone who saw him or went to one of his concerts that described him as tired. Are you a parrot head? You know, in my youth I was, and I still love listening to him uh, every now and again. I really enjoy it. I really he enjoy used it. To, he used to play after every single AAA game when I was in AAA. And Paul O'Neill loved Jimmy Buffett. So we'd go play in Denver, and, and Jimmy Buffett played. Then we'd go to Oklahoma City. We'd go to Louisville. Jimmy Buffett's playing. And finally, I said, Paul says, we're going to watch the co-. I says, Paul, I've seen him eight times. I said, I'm going to go try to pick up on this waitress there at the coffee shop. I'll get to you later. <laughs> it was like, it was like, God, I can't stand that. It, it, Jimmy Buffett's the worst. And then Bon Jovi with the, the jazz hands. He's walking around like this the whole time with jazz hands. He's tired. Jazz hands? Uh, some guy said, I saw Richard from Indian Hill and Tracy roll up uh, at Jeff Ruby's a few weeks back. What is a Bugatti? Is that a car? A Bugatti? Oh, yeah, yeah it's... He that's kind of like his Friday Saturday car. That's like four hundred fifty thousand as Bugatti. It's nice. It's green, kind of flashy. Very cool car though. Is that like? I mean, is that like in the neighborhood of a Maserati or something? Bugatti's like, like one oh, of the nicest car brands in the world. Yeah. Okay. Well, see, that's over my that's over my pay scale. I mean, that's like me looking at you know something from um, I don't know Saks Fifth Avenue a shirt. Um, that's it's out of my pay scale. Really- so why pay attention to it? Richard has an Aston Martin. Yeah, and I know what that that's is. That's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what kind of great guy he is. He's he's just a really giving person. Got giving a lot in of what money. in what regard? Uh, like he paid for rubies, paid for the entire dinner, which I thought was nice. Have you been to the new rubies? No, I haven't. Uh uh-uh. uh. Okay. You know what I don't like? I don't I don't like paying extra. I don't like paying a la carte. You know what I'm trying to say? For I know the what potato, you're saying. For the salad. Yeah. Like at yeah. the precinct, you get, and you, those ham and eggers right there, those JOs have no <laughs> idea what Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. Hold they, on a second. They, they are more used to um, uh, Outback, where you get it all for one price, right? I was thinking more Ponderosa. Okay, well, that, that's or basically golden, Outback. Or Golden Corral. Right. Golden Sounds like you were thing. kind of giving a little slight to the Bloomin' Onion there, Tom. I love I love that that food. You're not, you're not getting it. Look, I don't look down my nose on any of that stuff. Not a chance. <laughs> but go ahead. You were saying, Paul? No, I was just saying, you know, Jeff Ruby's, you, you go down to the precinct there, you get yourself a nice little salad. Those salads there. The best, big time. Best in the city. No doubt. I like the Freddy salad. A yep. lot. I like yep. Freddy's the best. Yep. Casey, maybe you ought to think about taking your bride to be down there one night. Yeah, I have not gone to Jeff Ruby's, but I've been to like Golden Lamb, which is very nice. Very Rob nice. Portman's I family like- owns oh, a Golden no, Lamb. Oh, no, 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 no. Golden Lamb was a bad, 
that Lebanon, I've been there. I was very disappointed oh. in uh, the Golden Lamb. Really? No, I'm serious. What did you have? That, that place is overrated. What did you have? Um, I had this. First of all, when they bring you a cup of uh, salad dressing in a plastic cup, I thought it was a little weak. And I didn't like the steak. I thought it was extremely over. That's where presidents have eaten, right? Yeah, yeah. well, Rob Portman's family has owned that since the beginning of time. I don't know if you knew that or not. The departing senator no. from Ohio. Um, right. His family's owned that forever. Uh, any last words, uh, guys? Ham and Eggers? Uh, for uh, Mr. Jones, before we let him go, he's got a busy day ahead, I'm sure. Well, I... I, I Polly, I have something for you. Polly, I have something for you. Oh, okay. I, I'm listening, no, Tracy. No, Casey, I have something for you. This is more important. I already gave you advice. Go, okay. go to the Taylor Swift to get a bunch of phone numbers. But Casey... Have you handed out, have you mailed your invitations to your wedding? Please do this to me. Now, I'm serious now. Are you listening? I'm listening. Are you listening? Yes. Okay. Put on there, no children. Tom, you would agree with oh. that, right? Yes. You don't please. need children yep. dancing, you know, wasting food. Tracy. I don't want to be partying. I don't want to be partying with a bunch of children. Okay. Tracy, so you, please. Have, you have no idea how much that that means to me because i want there to be no children at my wedding no children period. we have so no. my my side of the family we only have two kids and they're like four and like not even one yet so that i no. can understand but we have on the other side of my family children between the ages of 13 to to all the way down to infants right no. and that they can just be terrors just little tears and i swear if i see any of them running around during the ceremony <laughs> there will be hell to pay there will be hell oh boy well we've opened know, a whole I, yeah. can of worms here now i know I, I, but tom I, you agree right tom you uh, agree at the wedding itself i don't have a problem the wedding itself i don't have a problem the reception a little bit different ball nope. game right you agree with that I agree 100%. Okay. Kids don't need to be at a reception. Right. They, 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 we don't need to see them on the dance floor. <laughs> you know, the only people that give a rat's ass are the parents. Their parents. Yeah, especially <laughs> with an open bar. <laughs> yeah, you need just a big punch bowl. You know, punch bowl. <laughs> and just people can... Because you are having potluck, right? Okay, so we talked about that. Yeah. Um, and I actually found the the right dollar store around here in Hamilton, the Dollar Tree. It's just right up the road from yeah, here. Yeah, I saw it today. Yeah, and- uh, Hey. Uh, yeah. You know, did you say you're gonna have chicken Parmesan? See, I listen, I have a memory like an <laughs> elephant. Did you say you're gonna serve chicken Parmesan? Yeah. Really? Yeah, what's wrong with Isn't that? Isn't that a little sloppy? Tom, chicken Parmesan. Chicken I love chicken blue. parm. I love it. I, I do love too, it. but not at a wedding. Jolly Jolly says if he were a betting man, the Tracy Jones would be big on the song or be big on the dance, the electric slide guy at weddings. Is there any truth to that? I got bad knees. Okay. I got bad knees. You do the Macarena, a little less stressed on the knees, the Macarena. No, but is there anything better than the Bee Gees staying no. alive? No, nothing better. First time I ever pulled wool. <laughs> oh, my God. Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Fever, excuse me. <laughs> Tom, you're diving into stuff. I... Okay. All right. 
Tracer, we'll see you on Tuesday. All right. I still have a job? You still, you're in, man. You're in for a lifetime. You got a lifetime contract right here on Off the Bench. All right, boys. Have a good weekend. All right. You too. See you, Tracy. Tracy. See you, Tracy. Good Lord. Oh, man. You know, I thought we had made it through. No, oh. no. You never make it through. <laughs> thought we had made it through. Do you want to make it through? He's a big fan of both of you guys. I mean, he's paying attention. That's what I, I love about I, Tracy, among many things, is he does listen. He does pay attention. I mean, that came out of nowhere, the chicken parm thing. Yeah, you I just mean, briefly he, blew through that last week. He, he listens to the details. He's he a does. Very detailed detail guy. guy. That's why he's so successful. Um, we thank all the guys from uh, Jolly Jolly, Sir Boy Wonder, Boom Shakalaka. He wants to know, when are the invitations going out, by the way? Uh, they should be. Well, we have the save the dates sent out, but we don't have invitations yet. So that should be coming up shortly. I mean, it's usually send them out three months or four months in advance before the wedding around that. The invitations themselves. So okay. Okay. June, June 3rd is the so it's going to be like March or February, probably around that time when we send them out. OK, we thank uh, Anonymous who wants to remain anonymous. David, 6412 Mars, U.S. veteran retired. We always salute you and thank you for your service and all those. Uh, Blackmore wanted to know, do you smoke those Norwood spruces or do you decorate them? All right, do we have a, um, do we have a cherry on top presented by UDF today or no? <laughs> we do. Yeah, so this, uh, this was tweeted from our, uh, the Bengals Twitter, one of the best guys on Bengals Twitter, Joe Goodberry. Uh, Buffalo obviously predicted to get three to six feet of snow. Yeah, you believe that, and that's not a miss. You didn't mean three to six inches. No, We're talking six three to feet. six feet of snow. So Joe Goodberry tweets out earlier, starting Devin Singletary for this game in fantasy. He's only five seven. They'll never see him in six feet of snow. Consider flexing Naheem Hines at five eight and Isaiah McKenzie at five eight. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. You know, one of you guys said it earlier. Uh, Casey might have been you. That's Cleveland playing up there this weekend. Yeah. That's that lake snow effect that you see on the lake. The, 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 the east side of Cleveland runs all the way up into western New York and Buffalo. You know, look, if you've got to play the Buffalo Bills, right? Let's not forget that game. Was it last year when New England did not complete a pass in the game? Yeah, that was the severe winds, though, right? Right, but I'm just saying, bad weather. If you've got to play a team, and I know Buffalo, their quarterback can run it, you know, but they're, they're not a great running team. Cleveland's a good running team. Um, that could be, you know, normally you'd say that's going to be uh, kicking tail and taking names. That might be right up Cleveland's alley. Yeah, I think so. It's a, it's a good uh, game script for them. The weather's going to be bad. going to be bad. All right, we thank all of you, the hundreds if not thousands, that were uh, with us here today on the program. Um, any final words of wisdom? Uh, no, we're good. Um, missed you at lunch last week, Tom. Boom shakalaka. Who's that? Oh, yeah. We ran into boom shakalaka at lunch last oh, week. Oh, really? Yeah. Here in Hamilton? Yeah. We went to lunch after the show. Bird. Nice. Nice. Okay. Great guy. All right. We thank all of you. Tomorrow, big day. Uh, Dan Horde will be on the program to talk about um, UC getting down. Uh, you know, they're playing Temple this weekend. Should be a win. Should uh, setting up the, the, the big one next week against Tulane. 
Uh, if they win that game, they'll play in the American Conference Championship uh, for what would be, what, a fourth year in a row? Um, and fifth year in a row. And um, we'll also do our picks tomorrow. We got some big time games this week. Yes, we do. And from here the rest of the way, just these last two weeks, we, we are really going to focus in on the teams that are, we're, we're, we're going to pick all the games involving uh, the, the primary players in the college football playoff rankings. I know we like to do a lot of local games, and we'll still do UC, but I mean, you know, we really got to focus on Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, and Tennessee. Outside looking in LSU. And then the pro games, we got some good ones this weekend. Good games this weekend. Not too picky right after this. By the way, real quick. Oh, yep. that's coming up next? Right next. All right, real quick. Um, what's the spread on tonight's game? Three and a half for the Packers. Packers by three and a half. Packers favored by three and a half. We know that. about all the injuries. Real quick, fellas, who are you taking in that one? I know who you're picking, Casey. I'm taking the Packers. Of course you I'm are. I'm also taking the Packers. I'm taking the Titans. Okay. Okay. That's not part of our picks for the week. No. But just no. have a little fun with it tomorrow. Okay? Okay. okay. All right. Fellas, enjoy. Great job. Thank you. Brandon, thank you for lining up, Coach uh, Horn, for us today. And uh, we thank all of you for watching. We're back here at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Have a great Thursday.